Jenny Tse is the owner and founder of Sipping Streams Tea Company. Her extensive knowledge, expertise, and experience has made her a sought-after speaker and trainer for the specialty tea industry. Sipping Streams Tea Company provides high-quality loose-leaf teas and specializes in tea education and distribution of tea products, hot chocolate, and raw honey. Hey everyone, welcome back to Lady Empire. I have such an amazing guest here with me tonight. Jenny, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. And I first just want to dive right in and learn a little bit more about you and your childhood, where you grew up. So talk to us a little bit about your upbringing. Yeah, so I live here currently right now in Fairbanks, Alaska. I'm Chinese, so I was actually born in Hong Kong, and I immigrated to Alaska, which is part of the United States, of course, um, when I was maybe a month and a half. So I grew up in Alaska, and I um, didn't realize that there's a lot of cultural differences of even being an American growing up in Alaska versus the rest of the, we call it the lower 48. And I actually went to school at Boise State University, go Broncos. Um, and there, it's very interesting because I thought I had a totally normal upbringing, um, whatever normal means, you know, but then you go into a different culture and you find out there's a lot of things that you thought were like how the world worked versus other places, even in our own country. And you're like, oh, huh, I guess I am a little different, which is totally fine. Um, and also English was my second language. So growing up in our family, my parents were professional chefs and they worked at a Chinese restaurant. So very similar to like people who are like in other immigrant families, like Mexican families or whatever, where they speak their primary language. So I didn't actually learn English until I went to public school. So even though I grew up in um, in America, it wasn't my first language. So I was treated like almost, you know, just as if I was an immigrant because it was not something that I was taught at home because my mom and I immigrated to the U.S. at the same time. So she didn't speak English. I didn't speak English. And so then we learned English together. And which is really funny because she always says, even though that she's now retired and has always worked out in public and spoke English. She's like, oh, my English isn't so good. I'm like, well, I understand it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's such a fascinating background. Wow. I love that so much. And I bet coming to Boise was a culture shock. I can't even imagine. And I feel I've always wanted to go to Alaska. That is on a bucket list of mine. Um, I heard they have an amazing Alaskan cruise. Um, And I've just always wanted to explore it. So I'm so excited to talk more about Alaska. And I want to talk a little bit about where your interest in tea creation started. Did that start as a young child? Do you think that stemmed through your culture? Um, Talk to us a little bit about when you developed a true passion for tea. So, yeah, that's the funny thing is being immigrants back in the early 80s, it was very much like 
important for us to not make waves. First of all, that's a very Chinese cultural thing to do is not to be a wave maker. And I was always like the rebel child because I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I grew up in America. <laughs> so that was like a culture class within myself and my own immediate family. Because like, no, no, we don't do that. You know, we don't try to be different. We try to be like everybody else. So I actually grew up drinking coffee. Alaska is very much a coffee drinking state. And I actually like black coffee and I've been drinking black coffee, like straight up black coffee since I was about four. And I remember like my grandmother, when she came to visit from Hong Kong, she'd bring a C's candy and she'd bring the coffee candy one and she'd actually lock it up in a cabinet. So I'd pick the lock to steal (laughs) the candy when I was a kid because I was only like allowed one piece a day. Yeah. Uh, I was a bad kid. But anyways, um, so my love of tea actually didn't start to develop until I was at Boise State at my last year of college, where I was a double major in athletic training and physical education teaching. So I grew up really athletic. And I always wanted to be a doctor when I was a kid. But as I got older, I'm like, maybe I don't want to go through all that school. But I want to do with like, people in health, wellness, fitness, um, and stuff that has to do with, you know, emergency care, which athletic training very much is that too. Right. Um, so my last year of college, I drank way too much coffee and my drink was five twenty eight every day, every day, $5.28, which could be like a whole, you know, like value meal, right? Like yeah. the whole meal could cost that much. So I'm like, oh man, I got to pay my student loans back soon. What's the cheapest thing on the menu? And cheapest thing on the menu was tea. And so I started drinking tea and I actually wrote a book about how I got into tea called The Essence of Tea, The Transformational Journey of a Tea Connoisseur. Anyways, um, I started drinking tea. And so my friends would see me like sitting there studying, drinking my tea because I just want to drink something, right? You got to like, you can't just sit there for free in the coffee shop. Right. <laughs> so I was drinking tea and people would be like, oh, are you drinking tea because you're Chinese? I'm like, no, you've known me for like five years. Like, have I ever been drinking tea? Like, that's so weird. I say that. And these are my close friends, okay, by the way. Like, these are my really, really good friends. And I'm like, how is tea even Chinese? Like, I don't even, because I don't, I didn't grow up drinking tea. Right. I mean, we would drink tea at the Chinese restaurant because they always give you tea. But it's not like something I normally drink at home because I'm like, oh, I'm thirsty. I'm going to drink some tea. I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then another person was like, oh, I heard tea cures cancer. Oh, are you drinking tea because you're like into health and fitness? And I'm like, is it healthy for you? Like, I don't know if that's actually true because I'm not a tea drinker. I'm like. I'm not a tea drinker. So I'm getting all these questions about tea. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I obviously don't know anything about what I'm drinking. I mean, it's not bad for you, right? It's just tea. I mean, what's the big deal? So it prompted me to start like discovering and researching more about tea while I was doing my studies in athletic training. So I'd be looking in like the journal of sports medicine or something like that, come across some rehab techniques, some electrode rehabilitation stuff. And then sometimes it'd actually be case studies on tea. And yeah, so I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. That's in this journal of sports medicine about tea. Like, what does that have to do with, you know, health and wellness? Okay, let's, let's read this, you know, let me, let me get some education about what I have no idea about. And let me try to get some answers. 
And obviously it was not about cancer, the study of cancer on people who drank tea. So it did not answer that question specifically. But so also the other side of me is in education, like PE teaching K through 12. So my educational side would be like, well, I got to tell my friends what I learned. Right. Right. I don't know. So I don't know. But guess what I learned? And I would just tell them interesting stuff that I had learned about tea that was in the you know boring section of the library <laughs> the research studies. <laughs> but um and with that when I moved back to Alaska I worked at a physical therapy clinic so I kept drinking tea because I was just barely learning about tea I'm like okay what kind of tea do I like like what's in the grocery store aisle and so I'd be drinking tea or whatever the Lipton tea bag was in the clinic you know and People be like, oh, you drink tea? And they would tell me all their stories about drinking sweet tea, iced tea, chamomile when they were sick. Like all these different patients would tell me about their personal stories about tea, which I didn't have because I didn't grow up being a tea drinker. Right. And I thought it was really fascinating because I was connecting with people in a deeper relational sense through the conversation of tea, which they started only because I was drinking a cup of tea. Right. Right. That's so fascinating. And I love to hear how that all sort of came to be. And so for our listeners, um, Jenny is the founder and owner of Sipping Streams Tea Company, which is also the only geothermal powered tea farm in the world. So tell us a little bit about what this means for our listeners who also may not drink tea or didn't grow up drinking tea, um, tell us a little bit about Sipping Streams. Yeah, so the name Sipping Streams actually comes from a song that says, all who are thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain, dip your heart in the stream of life. And as I was personally going through this tea journey, It was actually very interesting because of who I am. I'm like, I think I'm totally white. My friends totally think I'm Asian. My family says I'm not Asian enough. They're like, what's (laughs) wrong with you, rebel child? Like, you don't do anything. Like, pick a stable job. Like, why do you do these things? Um, And so it was kind of like a way to not just heal my own identity crisis, but for me to build relationships with people. So that's kind of like how my tea journey started was like, things that people would bring up in conversation and telling me about themselves. And I started realizing that all these people had interesting stories about tea that really to the core of it was um, about themselves, like who they were and, and, and how they became who they are today, like foundational childhood memories. Right. And so I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. Or how they would connect to like elderly people Mm-hmm. And it was a way to continue growing in relationships and personal development and personal discovery. So the whole mission of Sipping Streams Tea Company is to help people to grow to know who they are. And it's a very broad mission, but it's essentially what brought me to tea. And it was the connection point of how so many people would connect with me or how I would give back to the community because community is central in not just developing ourselves and how we react to different people in different situations, but also like reflection on who we are and how we fit in society, no matter what culture or no matter where in the world you're from. 
And tea is also the number one most consumed beverage in the entire world next to water. And that's why there's so many people with their own personal tea stories or tea journeys. So even though you might not be a tea drinker or never really thought about it, hey, I started there too. And so Sipping Streams was just seeing this powerful movement of how tea brought people together and to spread that love and that peace and that hope and that community as a ripple effect to the rest of the world. I love that so much. And I personally love tea. So I'm super excited to check out your company more. Um, I just love exploring all the different flavors. And like you said, someone mentioned chamomile when you're sick. And I love like just creating those different times in my life when I do have tea. Like you said, I mean, people have personal connections and personal stories to tea. It's so funny to to think about that because you never I never thought about that till we started talking about it. But um, and I think one thing I was thinking about um just in hearing you speak, and maybe some of our listeners have thought about as well. Um, you know, what are some different challenges of starting a tea farm in Alaska? I think a lot of us have this preconceived idea that Alaska is just a snowy, cold place. There aren't farms. And um, so talk to us a little bit about that and maybe some of those challenges there. Yeah, so we do. I mean, it's it's cold right now. It's winter today. <laughs> but um, we do have farms here in Alaska, but our summer season is very short and really intense. You might heard the term land of the midnight sun. Well, we have like 24 hours of daylight for about 20, no, 24 hours of daylight for about three months. I mean, there's some like dusk, but it doesn't get dark for three months of the year. And then we have spring equinox and fall equinox, which is like 12 hours of each, right? In the spring and the fall. And those are very short seasons. And then we have winter time, which is like, feels like it's always dark. Or like you go to work and it's dark and you work all day. You don't have any windows or whatever. You go back home, it's still dark kind of thing. Um, And so with farming in general here in Alaska, a lot of people prolong their seasons with these things called high tunnels. These really, it's kind of like a semi-permanent, gigantic greenhouse. And so there are a lot of farmers in Alaska. And because of our harsh conditions, We don't have a lot of issues with parasites, fungi, certain things that a lot of other people in the rest of the United States would deal with because most things get frozen so hard that they're like dead. Like we don't have to struggle with those things. And it does get very warm here where I live in Fairbanks, Alaska. So in the summertime, it can be up in like the 90s. It's very dry and very warm here. Um, You know, I think people don't realize that in the interior of Alaska. Now, if you're on a cruise... It's going to be like Seattle, Portland type of weather where it's kind of like kind of misty, kind of cool, like the whole time, which I'm not a big fan of. Like, I I don't like being in this like wet, kind of dreary. Some people love it, though. But like where I live, it's like when it's summertime, boom, it's summertime. It's go time. It's bright out. It's warm out. And when it's wintertime, it is cold. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, anyways, so. With my background in tea education and visiting and sourcing teas from around the world, um, that led me to winning 11 international awards um, in tea. And 
because of my educational components of my tea company, we really emphasize in tea education, um, in our tea certification program for people to become a certified tea specialist, we actually had my students during COVID, I gifted everyone their own tea plants because we couldn't do tea tours anymore, like taking people to India or, you know, Kenya or Japan, like there's no more travel, right? Because of the pandemic. Right. So I gifted all my tea students their own plants so they could grow one at home because I grew some at home just for fun to see how it'd go. And then my students were like, so when are you going to start your own tea farm? Like you already got a best-selling book. You've won all these international awards. You have a tea house, tea room. Like you do all these things. Like the last thing on your bucket list for your company is to start a tea farm. And I'm like, are you crazy? I don't have time for that. I do not have time to be a farmer, you know, out of all yeah. things. And so my husband, he was like, well, what would it take? to start a tea farm. And I'm very academic, like very logical minded. So I'm like, well, technically it'd be like this, this, and this. And the only place I could think about it to um, actually be successful in the state of Alaska is actually here right at Chena Hot Springs Resort, which has the only geothermal power power plant um, and space off of the hot springs. So um, I think that's the only way it could be done is in one of their high tunnels. And when I was a high school teacher, I actually worked in the high tunnel greenhouses. So I knew how each of them worked um, because my science students, we'd go and volunteer there. And so my husband was like, well, we know the owner. Why don't you just ask him? I'm like, I'm not gonna go ask him, that's crazy. He's like, why not? What's he gonna say? No. So I'm like, fine, he's gonna say no. You you just watch. And he did not say no. (laughs) So here I am today. Oh my gosh. This is such a fascinating story. I love this so much because I do not have much knowledge around this topic at all. And so I love everything that you're sharing. Um, And as you were talking, I was thinking of some other possible challenges that you may come across as well um, in just running a sustainable business, right? Can you talk to us a little bit about maybe how difficult it is or some of the different challenges you've had to overcome in just running and maintaining a sustainable business. So, yeah, I think a lot of people get really excited about starting a business. I grew up in a family of restaurant owners and they did not want us to be entrepreneurs. They're like, be a doctor, be a teacher, work for the government, like pick something stable. Mm -hmm. So they already knew in my whole childhood, how hard it was to run a business, right? And so when I decided to start my tea company after I was a high school teacher, so this is like technically my third career, um, but the one I've stuck with the longest, this month, it will be my 16-year anniversary. Wow. I have, yeah, I know. I can't believe my baby's 16 years old, you know? Um, But there, I mean, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And I'm not trying to discourage anyone from being an entrepreneur, but the reality is you have to deal with taxes, payroll, supply chain issues, staffing shortages. Oh, good grief. Like the past year and a half staffing issues, right? Um, And logistics and supply chain issues with the pandemic. Um, I've even had um, CPA fraud in the very beginning of my company, the very first person. I had an accountant and then I did all my own taxes. Um, 
But as I grew and I needed more people on my payroll, I'm like, I think I need to hire an accounting company. And they did all my taxes wrong. I had all these, like, they were actual CPAs, unfortunately. So I'm like, if you're a CPA, like, how do you do your taxes wrong? Like, you're certified nationally. Well, apparently, you know, when they say, oh, don't listen to this letter from the IRS, it's their mistake. The uh, Let me tell you, the IRS is never wrong. Right. Saying. It's going to come and, well, I didn't know. <laughs> There's like a lot of things I didn't know because also when I first started my company, I did not have the support of my parents. They're like, whatever. It's just a fad. You're going to go back to working at the clinic. You're going to go back to being a teacher. Like, you'll see how hard it is. <laughs> so, um, and then I also had employee embezzlement too. And, and theft. I've had a break-in. Like, I had everything except for, you know, like a fire and bankruptcy. Very close to bankruptcy. But I mean, there's a lot of, lot of deep struggles with, um, you know, running your own business. And so, um, but in the end, it's like your why. Your why is what's going to sustain you. And you will, if you really, really want it, and you you will be humbled enough to try to ask questions to try to figure it out, to ask for help. Now, I knew I couldn't ask for the help from my parents. That was like a no. Flat out when I started doing it, they're like, we will not help you. Don't ever ask us. Mm-hmm. So it's really funny because now that's almost been 16 years this past summer, my dad was helping me make homemade steamed dumplings. My mom was helping me with manufacturing. She's like, what else can I do? And like, they're getting like so on fire, not because of my awards and being published on PBS or, you know, magazines or anything like that, but because they're seeing the people like, they're like, why are you working like crazy? And then they see like, oh my gosh, people really want your product. It's not about the product. It's about the relationship and the why. Why are you doing it? That's help. That will hold you and keep you grounded on why to keep going, no matter how hard it gets. I love that so much. And maybe part of the why too could be also related to the health and wellness around tea, which you've talked a little bit about as well at the very beginning. So talk to us a little bit about some of the different health benefits to tea drinking, if any at all. (laughs) Yeah. So there, okay. There's like a million health benefits and all depends on the type of tea that it is, the season that it's been picked, what kind of herb chamomile is a completely different plant than the green tea plants is. So because you have different components, the science of the plant itself will have different benefits, first of all. So that's a whole nother can of worms. And that's why we have a tea education program. But I would say the core things to think about and why tea is so transformational are three things. You've got mindfulness, you've got community to hold you accountable and to have that interaction for self-discovery. And you have reflection or gratitude, some people would say. So those three pillars are really powerful in enabling tea to bring you overall wellness. So when we think about health, you're thinking about the measurements. Like, what is your heart rate? What's your blood pressure? What's your blood sugar? What's your cholesterol? You know, what's your percent body fat? What's your weight? Health is like a measurement, like an actual metric. But wellness 
is overall encompassing of not just your diet and your sleep, but it has to do with your emotional health, your mental health that integrates with the physical health. So with mindfulness, it's really simple. It's about what are you doing at the moment of what you're doing and and being aware of literally like, okay, I have a cup of tea. I had to heat up the hot water. Like literally baby steps. I'm a big fan of What About Bob? That whole, it's hilarious movie. If you haven't seen it, but it's like, are you aware of what you're doing? And then have you thought about what you're doing and why you're doing it? Because most people don't even take the time. I know because I'm very much that personality. I'm a go-getter. I'm super busy. I'm high energy. But to be mindful in the very moment or sitting down waiting for a friend. What are your hopes, aspirations of connecting with that friend? What are you wanting to catch up with? What are you wanting to share? Like, why are you meeting that person? So mindfulness makes you aware of the exact moment of what you're doing and why you're doing it. It's not like an emptying of the mind. It's a very much about awareness of the mind. And so if you're drinking a chamomile tea or peppermint or green tea, what are you doing and why? Then the community aspect is being able to share that moment, that memory, that time, um, or even community with oneself just to be able to give space, not just the mindfulness of the space, but like, what is this going to affect? Like, I'm going to have tea with myself. Oh, because I literally need to have some rest. Otherwise, I'm going to snap at my kids. You know what I mean? Like something like there's a why of how it's going to affect other people relationally, like of what you're doing. And then with that, you can be learning about tea and improving your health and wellness and motivating somebody else and encouraging them with what you're doing. So tea is so powerful in those two things. And then the third thing is the reflection of realizing where you've come from, like the full circle picture and the growth that has happened. Like, have you lost more weight? Do you have less dry skin because you're staying hydrated from the tea? Uh, Do you feel more calm and relaxed? Are you getting more sleep now because you're having a high quality tea? And it encourages you personally, intrinsically to keep going. The gratitude of seeing the difference of who you are becoming. And so you can look at all the millions of health benefits that we teach about um, in our tea education program, or you can think about the wellness aspect of those three pillars of mindfulness, community, and reflection. I love it so much. And that brings me to my last question, which was where can we find you on social media or where can our listeners connect with you and see what you're working on and see what you're doing? Yeah, so everything, literally everything is on our website at sippingstreams.com. You can either buy tea from us um, or any of our products that we have there. You can also um, find the link to our tea podcast and our YouTube channel. We also have tea classes that are also, the links are on that website. And at the end of March, we're going to have a tea wellness retreat. So if you love tea, interested in health and wellness, wanting to come up and visit Alaska and experience the beautiful Northern Lights, nature, and just being submersed in that opportunity of mindfulness, community, and reflection. That's how you can find out more about us. 
Awesome. This has just been phenomenal. Jenny, thank you so much for everything you shared tonight. All this tea talk. I'm excited after uh, we hang up here, I'm going to go heat up a nice hot cup of tea. I'm so excited. Um, But thank you again for everything you shared. And we'll be sure to link everything in the show notes that we discussed as well. But um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. 